Hi, I'm Susan. And this is Diane. And this is When Autumn Comes. Look, life sometimes just looks different than we thought it would. This is a podcast for mamas and for people who love them, whose lives were flipped upside down as a doctor looked into our eyes and explained our child's prognosis. Or for the mamas who get very little sleep as they face symptoms and behaviors that just aren't typical for other children. This is a place where we can take on this journey together because we know that this can be a sad, lonely, misunderstood path. But we also know that as colder temperatures and darker days begin to appear, so do the golden leaves and beautiful sunsets of autumn. We know that life comes in seasons. We know that in our world, 24 hours can hold so much change that it feels like four seasons in one day. We are here to let you share your story, let you laugh and let you cry, let you learn and let you grow, together with other mothers, when autumn comes. I don't know about your household, but this has been on repeat in my house, and every time we get to the song in Encanto that Louisa sings, I feel so seen. In case you haven't watched the movie 127 times, I just want to read you a couple lines from the song. I don't think I have the legal rights to either A, play it, B, you don't want to hear me sing it, but... The first few lines read, I am the strong one. I'm not nervous. I am tough as the crust of the earth is. I move mountains. I move churches and I glow because I know what my worth is. It continues. I don't ask how hard the work is. Got a rough indestructible surface. I take what I'm handed. I break what's demanded. But under the surface, it continues. A flaw or a crack, the straw in the stack that breaks the camel's back, what breaks the camel's back? It's a pressure like a drip, drip, drip that'll never stop. I don't think I'm allowed to sing this. And then at the end of the song, it does say, But wait, if I could shake the crushing weight of expectation, would that free up some room for joy or relaxation or simple pleasure instead We measure this growing pressure, keeps growing, keeps growing, because all we know is the pressure, like a drip, 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 that'll never stop. Whoa. Okay, so that's enough from Encanto. All this to say that today I'm really excited because my college roommate, Amanda, who is a licensed therapist in the state of Virginia, she's back to talk about mental load, which, raise your hand, even if you're walking around the neighborhood, or you're sitting in your car, raise your hand if you are a mom who experiences mental load. Is your hand up? It should be. We talk about what it is. We talk about the effect of carrying this heavy mental burden all the time. And we talk about tactics to managing the the heaviness. Have I said heavy yet? (laughs) I think it's heavy. Guys, it's really, really heavy. Let's dive in. I am so excited because today we have Amanda back. Amanda is our, should we call you our resident when autumn comes therapist? That is great title. um, Yes. Amanda, in full disclosure, was my college roommate. And if you haven't listened to her previous episode, go back to season one. And we discussed a lot about trauma and grief and things like that. And it was a really great episode. So thank you for coming back. Thank you for having me. 
Okay. So today I'm really excited to talk about the mental load of motherhood. Prior to hitting record, I did about five minutes of research for this episode. I was looking for the mental load or mental burden that is on mothers, but specifically medical mothers or caregiving mothers. And I couldn't find anything. Again, I Googled for like five minutes, but I thought that that would be a great thing to talk about because most of our audience is a caregiver and a mom and mothers carry just this mental load on top of everything else. So what is mental load? Do you have a professional definition or do you want me to pull up what I found on the Google? You can pull up what you found on the Google and then we can kind of unpack it since it's it's pretty uh, okay. hot topic these days. It is. So from what I found, it is carrying the invisible tasks that are related to keeping your family alive, um, keeping your family functioning, keeping, you know, it's not just the physical chores that moms do, but more or less like juggling the, okay, what meal needs to be made? Whose lunch needs to be where? Do I have the right snacks in that lunchbox? Um, do we have, do we have a gift for the birthday party we're going to? Um, do we have, you know, has, has the laundry been done so that my kid has something to wear tomorrow? Kind of just all those things that like when you lay down in bed at night and that mental list runs through your head of like, here are all the things I have to do. That mental list that you are running is your mental load. I think it's important to point out that it's invisible too, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's kind of like that continuation of women who, you know, in the past, more women would stay home, right? And didn't work outside of the home. So they're, they had like this invisible workload. And now more than ever, women work outside of the home, but they still have that <clears throat> invisible load of the mental load, mostly, you know, a good majority of the time all on them and not, you know, equally divided between them and their partner. Yeah. And then you add the component for our audience that are primary caregivers. So in addition to working, carrying the mental load of being a mother and running your household, you are also running your household. That sounds so like fifties. Well, but I mean, it's, it's true, right? It is running a household. It takes a lot of work to run a household. It does. It (laughs) takes a lot of work, but then you add in the nursing component that you are a caregiver and you are, literally keeping these tiny humans alive. I had posted in the When Autumn Comes Society recently asking like what topics people wanted to talk about. And this was one of the one of the things just like how do we unpack this? Like what do we do with this burden that we're carrying? And then how do we feel like we can pass some of it off to our partners? I think not only your partner, but also Again, it's like one of those terms, your your village, right? Like mm-hmm. your uh, your partner, your extend your nuclear family, your extended family, whatever social supports that you have, which I can't speak for you, but I would think in your situation it might be more difficult to have social supports because of just the uh, everyday how isolated you could be being a caregiver and having especially a medically compromised child. You can't go out and do social activities yeah. with people that could potentially support you. Uh, so your, you know, your circle is smaller. It's incredibly small. Mm-hmm. 
speaking of, you know, kind of the, the village and the community, we can get to this later, like how can people help mothers with this load? But one of the things that has come up in my quick Google is just, you know, everybody saying you're so good at what you do is really, it's not helpful to me. Mm. It's not, it's not condescending, but it's also not helpful. I feel like there's so much pressure on us already so then when people are like, you are the best at this, you then there's even more of that mental load associated with it because you have to be the best. You are the best. You're the only one who can care for your kid the way you can. Is the trick to take off some of the burdens? Is the trick to outsource? Is the trick, like, should I be stepping back and going, okay, what exactly do I need to do or make a paper list? Like, should I write it down to get it out of my head? I think there has to be a combination of of all of those things. So one of the biggest things would be, of course, talking to your partner about what they need to help you with. One of the biggest things I think I've learned about my own marriage and what we talked about before we were married is one of the biggest issues that partners have is with unmet expectations, right? Um, And there's a breakdown there when our expectations aren't met. But if we don't communicate them, then it's kind of hard to hold somebody to meeting an expectation. Now, what might seem like understandable to us or common knowledge, like, yes, the kids have to eat, the kids have to be bathed, you know, people have to go to sleep. But I think if we communicate what our needs are and really make a list or uh, make priorities and we divide those priorities and then have expectations Mm -hmm. that that'll be met, then at least that's a starting point. Um, yeah, but I do think too, if you're able financially, outsourcing things is can give you a lot of um, freedom, so to say, or you know, make you feel a lot lighter. If you can get someone to clean your house, do it. Why not? If you can bring someone into your house, yeah, you know. And I know again, that's another issue that I might mm-hmm. not think of because I have typical children, mm-hmm. but you can't have somebody come into your house and clean your house typically. Yeah. So my one friend Katie, she. I'm going to call her out on this one, but I thought it was brilliant. You know, she decided to bite the bullet and have somebody pick her laundry up, do her laundry and bring it back folded. Mind blowing to me because like it does cost money. That is a great way to outsource something. Exactly. Exactly. And that's not something you have to spend time on, like a task that that takes a lot of time. Mm -hmm. And it's a task that's never ending, just like cleaning your home or cooking. I mean, yeah, Yeah. how could you make cooking easier? What could you do? Um, Is it dividing it? I will say, and in our house, we we have found that dividing up cooking, um, my husband is very particular about what he eats. And I like spicy, he does not. And I was like, okay, if you don't want to eat what I'm making, then you can start making some meals. And he has. So I would say we cook every other night, like one of us cooks, which has turned out to be a really helpful thing for me. He also, mostly because of his COVID anxieties, but he is the one who now gets our groceries. It was a huge thing for me to be able to pass that off to him. We usually only do curbside anyway, just because it's quick and easy. But now I don't have to load up the child, go to the store, pick up the grocery. You know, it's In the realm of things, it sounds like it's something minor, but it really, really isn't. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's definitely something that helps you, again, on a weekly, if not Mm biweekly basis. (laughs) 
So we all, as moms, we obviously know whether you're a medical mom, a typical mom, we know what the mental load is because almost all of us are carrying it. But what effect does that have on us in the long term? What does carrying this burden, what can it do to moms who are in my position? Well, I think you guys have enough to contend with as it is, more than most. And I think the stress, the daily stress, so it's like chronic stress, which then leads to chronic, you know, you guys have other, I don't want to generalize, but you, you know, you would have chronic stress every day. I would think most people that have medically compromised or complex children. Um, And so that's really changing how your brain functions and works. It's kind of like when we have trauma, our brain literally fires differently. So things can permanently change. You can have that chronic stress, you know, you can release the stress um, hormone cortisol all day, every day. That's really detrimental to your body. And it's Is that really, the fight or flight feeling? That's from your amygdala in your brain. Um, but, you know, the cortisol, which is, you know, just a hormone that's secreted in your body mm-hmm. over time, that can be very damaging physically to your body. So mental health and physical health are obviously completely intertwined. And I think the longer that you deal with that stress, the more lingering and long-term effects that you're going to have. So Mm -hmm. if you know something needs to change, you really have to sit and think about what things can you change? You can't change everything, you know, right. Can't change the situation you're in with your children. um, Right. But you can change other things like these horrible menial Mm -hmm. tasks that you have to do every day that people expect you to do. Yeah. I saw something on a Facebook meme or a story or something that was like a person who went to see her therapist and she wrote about how the dishwasher, she just could not rinse the dishes before she put them in the dishwasher, but the dishwasher wasn't doing the job completely. And it was just that extra burden of the one task of rinsing the dishes off, letting them soak and letting them sit in the sink. And the therapist said to her, well, why don't you just run the dishwasher twice? And it was like one of those moments where she was like, huh, I can do that. And then it takes off the whole scrubbing the dishes. So like if there is an easy thing that every time I go to scrub my dishes now before I put them in the dishwasher, I'm like, I should just run this twice. But my husband would yell at me. (laughs) I don't know about your dishwasher, but mine takes so long because of those stupid energy efficient dishwashers. Yeah, so like yeah. they take like three hours. I wouldn't have time to run it twice. Be like, I need the dishes <laughs> that are in the dishwasher. I don't know. But I mean, I get the point <laughs> because it's like you talk to somebody and they are able to give you a solution. And I think that's great. That's not always what we're looking for, mm-hmm. but somebody that, you know, you're literally going to for basically advice. Um, right. I think it's great to get something that simple just to help your life. Well, and it made me think like, we don't have to do things this way, you know, like caring for my kid. I have to do things a certain way, but there are other things like laundry or dishes or figuring out the calendar for the care that's coming and going from the house. Like I don't have to do it a certain way way if there is an easier way to do it or different way. Because I think as moms, we do want to have a lot of control over things. Just speaking for myself, I want Mm -hmm. things done a certain way or cleaned a certain way or whatever. But we also have to say, well, if I really want this to be taken off my plate, I have to be okay with it being done in a different way. Yep. 
Um, and if not, then I have to lower my expectations for myself. Yeah. And that's what we have to do. Cause I'm a perfectionist and I like things a certain particular way. And I'm realizing that maybe it's the grief brain on top of everything, but my head doesn't work <laughs> half the time. Of course, of course. And one of the things I read in an article was talking about, you know, postpartum and we all talk about mom brains. Mom brain is a thing. Grief mm-hmm. brain is absolutely a thing. It's like a fog. And so if I can find something that will either help me lower my standards or have less pressure on myself, I think that's what I need in my life right now. Less pressure. We all do, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, grief brain, mom brain, all of those are totally a thing. Mm-hmm. Real things. We know then that the effects of this can lead like carrying this this invisible load can lead to extra anxiety and it can lead to depression and it can lead to that gamut of mom brain fog. What do we do as moms? And you can speak for yourself. You can speak as a therapist. You can just tell me what to do because you're my friend. But what do we do to help other than outsourcing and unburdening? I think moms in general joke about, oh, self-care. I don't know what self-care is. Mm. (laughs) Amanda just rolled her eyes. (laughs) But, you know, I think it's something where we do have to do some sort of self-care. Otherwise, I mean, I've gone weeks without taking, not weeks. (laughs) I've gone like a week. Don't say it. (laughs) I've gone like a week. I meant to say days, not weeks. I've never gone weeks without taking a shower. Um, (laughs) I wouldn't judge. (laughs) But I've gotten to the point now where I get to shower once or twice a week And I literally just like sit in the shower to meditate, pray, and have my quiet time because I don't get that any other place. Any recommendations for like how we navigate allowing ourselves to have self-care? I don't know. Do typical moms feel mom guilt? Oh, yeah. I think you've already kind of answered that though because I already know that like when you started the new year, you have done one thing a month for yourself, right? You Mm -hmm. had a goal that you would like walk every day which you did really well, or you would wash your face every day, right? Um, what's your goal this Since week? I'm not showering every day. What was April? Um, April is, <laughs> hold on. What am I doing every day? Oh, oh no. April is sit outside for <laughs> at least five minutes a day, which is oh. super minor, I would imagine, to most people. But I don't, I work from home. I take care of Benji at home. We go to doctor's appointments. So I'm pushing myself to sit outside for five minutes a day. Next month, I super extra. I'm jumping rope every day. That is very Amanda's face. Yeah. Let's let's not talk about the consequences of a mom jumping rope, but (laughs) I need a really good sports bra for uh, for for May. (laughs) Maybe some depends. Who knows? (laughs) But I I think you know if if you can't commit to, to doing something every day, even though I think that was a really great way, actually in a lot of different ways, because you first of all you gave yourself a goal. That's just like self care. Mm -hmm. And second of all, you're doing different things. So you kind of get to figure out what really like works best for you. 
by the way, you know, research has shown that spending just 30 minutes outside every day is like exponentially amazing for your body, for your mind. It Mm -hmm. really de-stresses you. And we all say like, if we have problems with our kids, like typical kids, just let's take them outside. And that's very true for me. Like we get outside, Mm -hmm. everybody's mood changes for a bit, which is nice. Yeah. But yeah, I think having, if it's not every day, but sitting down, putting out what your schedule really is every day You've got to find five minutes for yourself. If it's not every day, Mm -hmm. start every other day. Mm -hmm. And then let's see like what kind of time you have. It doesn't have to be something as meaningful as, you know, writing in a journal. It could be sitting outside for five minutes. You know, I did my, my one mile walk every day in January Mm -hmm. and that was a solid, like it was a slow walk. It was listening to podcasts and, but it was 15 plus minutes of me walking outside. And I wanted to do like reading for five minutes a day as like, that'll be on my list at some point. But I realized as I was entering April that I mentally could not handle more than simply sitting outside. Sure. That's good to know yourself like that. Yeah. Speaking for myself here, I needed to listen to my different layers of anxiety and grief and depression and go, I can't handle losing 50 pounds. You know, I can't handle a new year's resolution of exercising every day or I can't, I needed simple things. And yeah, I think you did a good job too. Cause I do think we, we can push ourselves too far. All we have to do is start with things like that. I mean, walking a mile every day was very ambitious, but you know, you were able to to do it. And I think it can build confidence when you achieve those goals. And, but, mm-hmm. and also you can tell that it probably really made a difference for your mental health. And I didn't take my kid. Um, right. Because well, that's for not me, self-care. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, my kid is nonverbal and would probably leave me alone for the entirety of the walk, but I just needed to be alone. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. And there's nothing wrong with that separation because we're not, I think we talked about this in the first podcast. We're not just moms. Mm -hmm. We do have other identities because we were somebody before we had kids. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's really easy to lose that other part of ourselves. I would say even more so for somebody that is all consumed with being a medical mom and taking care of their kids' numerous needs all day, every day, and have different levels of worry and concern. Yeah, I think that and I I think that if anybody takes anything away from this conversation we just had, I think the self-care aspect, but I also think it's really important to stress the communication to your partner and your village because I can easily easily get resentful of my husband for not knowing what's going on in my head. Mm-hmm. And with me taking my 5 minutes outside every day or me doing Lord help me next month jumping rope every day. Mike has known that I am doing this one little thing every single day and it's like, okay, I have to go sit outside and there's no like, Hey, why don't you take Benji or Hey, why don't you do, you know, like I told him I need this and he understands when I like go sit in a chair in the middle of the yard. (laughs) (laughs) No questions. (laughs) And I I think it is important to communicate because There is a certain level of expectation we should have of our partners, and that is they should be able to see that our house is a mess or like their clothes are all over the floor or, you know, like there's no groceries in the refrigerator. And also like there has to be communication about what we expect the other person to like 
not even help us with, but to partner with us. Cause I can't stand that word. You don't help your partner. You, you yeah. both live in the same household, but like partner with us to keep everything running. Like that's our job is being equals and being partners. Mm-hmm. Well, for anyone who is listening that is thinking that they want, let's take like five minutes and maybe talk about finding a therapist and what people could expect. Cause I know personally, I know of several moms who feel like it's one more thing to add to their mental load if they mm-hmm. have therapy. And I know others who are anxious about calling and saying, I need help. I need someone to talk to. So do you have any recommendations for people in finding a therapist and what to kind of expect about the process? The best way usually to find a therapist is word of mouth, which again, it adds a layer of having to Mm -hmm. like tell someone that you think you need help, which I think that stigma is, you know, getting better, but that's another. I hope it's getting better because there's (laughs) nothing wrong with seeing a therapist. Yeah. And I mean, I hope for, you know, people who have medically complex kids, I would hope in your doctor's office, of course, when you're in the hospital, there's resources of people to help you. Yeah. (laughs) The the social workers in the hospital should help you with that. They should. Um, What I've run into quite often is that they are a children's hospital. So mm -hmm. moms are not their patients. Right. And that makes it really hard because whether you're in the NICU or you're in the PICU or wherever, like you still need the mental support Definitely. as the mom, not just, not just the um, child. Yeah, exactly. that, should, that should also change. So let's, let's hope that let's work change. on that. And, and yeah, let's affect some change there. But so word of mouth, obviously, like if somebody were to ask you who your therapist is, you know, you would I'm sure willingly tell them mm-hmm. you know, psychologytoday.com is, is actually a really, really good resource um, because you can put in your zip code and you can actually filter what kind of therapist you want. Like, do you want a Christian therapist? Do you want a trauma informed therapist, which is somebody that, you know, really knows right. how to deal with trauma. And that's like a, a big thing in general right now. I was going to ask, are there specific trauma therapists, grief therapists? Are there like motherhood therapists or do like people have specific focuses like that? Yes. Trauma-informed care has like really exploded, I would say, in the last 15 years. So there are therapists who are specifically trained and trauma-informed just means that the therapist knows how the brain works and how trauma affects the brain, which is a huge part of treatment, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And they educate you about that and help you through the process. But yes, and there's grief therapists. You can get certified with that. Also, postpartum and, and mother issues, mm-hmm. there's certifications and more um, training. There's training, basically, I think, in everything. And then, mm-hmm. of course, there's EMDR, which I would think would be helpful for most people that have medically complex kids because they're it not only works for trauma, but anxiety um, depression. It's just something that's been really well researched and is very effective. I will say I called recently to get set up to do EMDR therapy for myself. I actually heard back this morning, they have like a three to four month wait. I'm not surprised. So first of all, it's very expensive to be certified in EMDR, mm-hmm. understandably, but also it's very in demand right now mm-hmm. because people finally, again, it's not new. 
but people finally are utilizing it more and they've, mm-hmm. they, it really works. So in case someone doesn't know, what exactly is it? Yes, it's you don't need to go into deep detail, just like a two sentence <laughs> summary, because I know it's heavy. It's, EMDR is eye movement desensitization and reprocessing therapy. So the old adage of trauma therapy was you had to talk all about what your trauma was. And research has shown that actually can be harmful if you're not ready for it and is not always effective. So this uses other things was exactly what it sounds like eye movements. And they use other tools like that with the body to help your brain basically reprocess the trauma. So the memories are still there, but the effects that it has on your body and your brain are not Mm -hmm. the same, which they found that if you do that part of it, then a lot of times you don't even have to process whatever trauma you've experienced, which is really amazing. Yeah. I've realized in the last couple months, just how much, I mean, you as my friend, you don't therapy me, but I have been realizing just how much of the trauma of watching Lorelai struggle the last two years of her life, um, how that is affecting me when I see Benji teething. And I'm like, oh my gosh, we're going to have to go to the PICU. Knowing what we have coming Mm -hmm. with him and knowing what I've been through, I'm in this weird limbo state right now of do I freak out? Do I fight? Do I flight? <laughs> like, well, you and, have the flashback. Your body literally mm-hmm. feels the way it did when those things are happening yep. with Lorelei, right? So hopefully through the EMDR, those feelings will change. Mm-hmm. And that yep. would be really great for your mind and your body. Yeah. So. And then we do it all over again. <laughs> I told my therapist, I was like, don't worry, you have great job security with me. <laughs> Okay. So if someone, um, does a mom call a place if they get a referral or do I call and say, Hey, I'm really interested in this therapy or what's the next step? Yeah, there's, there's, you can reach out. I mean, a lot of the practices have, you know, you can email, you can, they have like messaging systems. There is, I'll just say this, there is like better help and talk space and like all of those like online platforms. Mm -hmm. They're not my favorite for, you know, different reasons. I'm not saying you shouldn't go that route if you feel like that's what you need. But I would also say like for moms that don't have insurance, like, or feel like they can't afford therapy, mm-hmm. there are other avenues that I would encourage you to go down. Like all in Virginia, this is in Virginia because each state is mm-hmm. different. All of the local community services boards, that's their job is to help people that don't have insurance or don't have the means to pay for therapy. So there's sliding scales where you're paying minimal amount Mm. of money to see a therapist. Uh, Child and family services is the same. So don't think that you can't access services because you feel like you don't have financial means. That's, that's great to know. Mm -hmm. Do you have anything else that you need to add or share with our listeners? Mm -hmm. I don't think so. I appreciate the opportunity to be the resident therapist. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And we are open to, we, we hope to have Amanda back at least once a season, but I know in the Win Autumn Come Society, there were a couple topics that came up that y'all wanted to hear more about. If there is a topic that you want us to discuss with our resident therapist, uh, please let us know in the comments in the When Autumn Comes Society so that we can plan ahead. I'll do a little more research next time, I promise. Same. (laughs) Thanks for being here. Thank you. 
I have been doing this podcast for a year and a half now, almost, and I just edited this whole episode, and I realized I forgot to ask Amanda what gives her hope. Ah, shame on me, guys. Shame. It, it's, it's the mental load burden and the grief brain fog. So Amanda will have to come back and tell us on another day what gives her hope, or we can go back and listen to the last episode she was on. Anyway, thank you so much, Amanda, for being here. I really appreciate you, your friendship, and I appreciate you being so supportive of this project for me and for the community that we are all part of. If you or a mom you know is struggling right now, please, like we said, don't hesitate to take a minute to look up a therapist or ask a friend who they see or whatever you feel comfortable doing, but there's nothing wrong with talking to a therapist. Amanda is coming back for a 4am on Friday and I'm really excited because we talk about uh, we talk about how and what we do for self-care and yeah, it's a good conversation. We'll see you guys on Friday. <laughs>